Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Our theme, our theme for youth this year is to be history shakers. We want to shake history. And young and old, if we want to shake history, we have to be focused. And we have to be focused on what God has planned in our lives, no matter what we're going through at this moment. And I believe that out of this group of young people in our youth uh, today, we are going to create history shakers. So um, this next person that's coming up to preach um tonight she joined the youth team this year and the growth that i have seen in her is absolutely amazing um and it's just a simple fact of whatever you ask of her she puts her hand up and she does and she just yeah really loves it and i just want you to put your hands together and welcome to neil church. Um, I do want to actually stretch out and say a big thank you to Ross and Mary Lynn for giving us the opportunity and also Trevor and Rachel for actually taking on this youth group. Like like you said, this is my first year, so I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning. Still don't know what I'm doing now. But with great leadership, you know what I mean? Like both of these couples have just like helped grow me in different ways and I think that's the best thing you can ask for in a leader. So I really do appreciate that. Um, another thing, just want to say... Uh, the three speakers today didn't really actually mesh our messages together. We kind of just prayed on it and did it. And Luke was worried they wouldn't match. And I'm just going to put you at ease and say they do match. Listening to Darcy today, I'm like, we've got this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, Chased and Chasing is what I've named mine today. And I came up with a name about an hour ago because I have been dwelling on this message for the past week. And I just didn't know how exactly I wanted to articulate it because sometimes you can get words from God but just kind of translate that from what you feel into a format that you can actually explain it to someone is a process in itself and this month a few of my close friends would know that's actually been really tough for me I've had some bad news things have been happening cried a few times dropping the ball in different places and like it hasn't been easy And on the other hand, I've been asked to speak at youth, I've been asked to speak at the youth takeover, I did offering last week, and I don't think that's a coincidence in itself. I think that when you have something going on in your life that's actually stretching out to do more for the house and for God, things are bound to kind of come and get in the way. And I think that was really good with Darcy's message to actually focus, because that's that's a big one. Like When you get distracted by things, you don't focus on what you actually need to do. Now, 1 Peter 5 to 7, or sorry, 5... Verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. This is a big one in the middle of a battle because I think it's good to know that you've actually got someone who's got your back 24-7, you know what I mean? And he's there to care for you, he's there to share with you and he's never going to let you down. And so having troubles in life and strife and struggles like Darcy was saying as well, they do come. And you do have to work through them. No one ever promised life was going to be easy. No one ever said that it was going to be hunky-dory as soon as you gave your life to Jesus. So with the message that we have, having a scripture like that can really help empower you to know that you're not alone. There is another scripture that um, I do want to pretty much focus on today, and that's Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, having a plan tells me that I have a purpose 
because I'm not sitting doing nothing. Being able to prosper tells me I have a purpose, to be and do better than what I am today and what I was yesterday. Not being harmed showed me that I have God's protection on my life. A hope in a future tells me that there is more than just what I see in today or this month alone. There is more than my problems right now. Like Darcy was saying, there is a focus of a future, a hope, and there is a plan that I know I need to fulfill. Now, the thing with that scripture that I do also like is that it is personal. So my plan for me isn't your plan. And the biggest thing that we've done actually in youth is the self-talk, which I think was really great because we're actually talking to the youth groups and youth kids about self-talk and what it is. So the whole peer pressure and the inner voice and what you tell yourself and how you should act and trying to compete in a world that's all about trends and just today. And so having a scripture that tells me that I have a plan and there is a purpose on my life also goes to show that there's a plan and there's a purpose for each one of your lives. So Mary Lynn, there's a plan for your life. Trevor, there's a plan for your life. Rachel, there's a plan for your life. Jack, there's a plan for your life. Tanil, there's a plan for your life. But the thing with that is, when you have individual plans for individual people, it doesn't mean they're exactly the same. They're not copy and pasted. You all have your own plans. And a big thing with the youth today is that we judge against each other. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they have this, they have that, they do this, they're cool that way. That doesn't, that doesn't match up to you because you're not them. You're in your own stage of life. You've got your own place to go. And when God has a plan for you, it's because he has a plan for you. It was created for you. And how cool is that to know that God planned a whole you know, 60 to 80 to 90 years of your life for you alone. Now, the fine print that they don't give you in the Bible goes to show that when you're following God's plan, you are going to hit struggles, you are going to hit strife because there is no promise necessarily that once you become a Christian and once you, you know, follow God and get baptised that awesome, I've got like fairy dust on me, life is amazing, I can make everything happen, I just pray and it's like magic. <laughs> the world doesn't work like that. And the thing that I was saying at the beginning with having a tough month but also getting opportunities in church is that when you start doing good and you start changing things, like I might even change maybe one life, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. But the devil doesn't like that. The devil doesn't want you to move anything forward. And I actually read a Bible plan this week. And the one thing that stuck out to me, and I've actually said it to a couple people who have been going through stuff, is the devil distracts what he can't defeat. The devil distracts what he can't defeat. So if he comes up against you and he can't win against whatever you're going through because you continue to push through and keep doing things for God, he's going to distract you. And distractions come in all different ways. Even the um, sound about anger last week. Anger can fill up so much of your brain and your willpower. You know what I mean? When you're mulling over someone and you, you don't like someone, you're angry at them for something, you're not thinking about the stuff that's happening around you anymore. You think about that person. Oh, horrible, horrible. That person, that person only. And focus shifts. You're not focusing on God anymore. You're not focusing on the plan that he's giving you. You're focusing on that anger. Same as trends and all these other things that come out of the way. And in schools, you've got you know, bullying and stuff like that. If they can't defeat you, they will distract you. And the sad thing about that is, Trying to defeat someone is a battle, and a battle is a forefront. You can see them straight away. Distractions are subtle. Distractions are sly just to pull you off the track. One thing, and you're walking in a completely different direction. So the devil distracts what he can't defeat. Now, the idea of chase and chasing is when you're chasing God, you're getting chased by the devil. So you need to be aware that 
You need to be prepared. You need to have your good running shoes on because once you start moving forward for God, he's going to start coming after you. Because if I get to add to that comment, the devil distracts what he can't defeat, but he will leave what is lifeless. If you don't move, he's not going to bother chasing you. If you got to pick between, if just say you get to be an animal, and I said, do you want to be a cheater or a sloth? What would you pick? <laughs> I'm hearing cheater and sloth. Sloths are a bit slow. So the thing with that is, special fact for you, cheetahs can reach 113 kilometres and are the fastest land animals in the world. They can accelerate from 0 to 110 kilometres in three seconds. Sloths move five feet a minute and in trees they escalate to about 15 feet a minute. <laughs> so just imagine if you were becoming an animal and you had to choose between a cheetah and a sloth, if you were to chase something, which one would you prefer to be? And if you're being chased by something, which one would you prefer to be? Because the faster you run, the faster you go somewhere, but the faster you get away. Because we don't want to be distracted by anything. We want to make sure we're on that path and moving forward for it. And it doesn't mean rushing through and blaseing past everyone in your life. You know what I mean? You have to have space for people. You have to have space for, your time, uh, for yourself. You have to have time for yourself. But as soon as you start chasing, you have to be aware that you're going to be chased. And you have to be dedicated on the path that you're going for. The devil distracts what he can't defeat. But he will leave what is lifeless. The problems in youth today... This is just from some research on the web. Is self-esteem and body image, stress, bullying, depression, cyber addiction, drinking and smoking, teenage pregnancy and underage sex, defiant behaviours, peer pressure and competition. The thing I've always worked on is if it doesn't matter in two years, it doesn't matter now. If there's a life decision that you're making now that won't affect you in two years, it's probably not a big decision. What am I going to wear today at school? probably not going to care what I wore today at school in two years' time. If, are people going to judge me? Maybe. But as long as I'm comfortable being me, that's all that really matters. Because you being the best you is the best way to fulfill the plan that God gave you. Because if you're someone else, you're trying to fulfill someone else's plan, you're not living up to your potential. God has so much more in store for you. God has a plan, a purpose, a hope, a direction... He has so much more that he has to offer you. And if you're busy trying to be someone else and you're not focusing on him, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And the thing about fulfilling plans is that when he says he has a plan for you, it's not the plan you have for you. You actually have to sacrifice yourself and give that up for God. Because the thing is, God cares for you and he loves you. And when you understand that, you realise the plan he has for you will never bring you down, will never give you strife, will never leave you alone because he puts people in your life and people around you that will care for you. And when things go wrong, they will be there for you as much as he will be. But when we focus on our own plans and the things that we want to do, and like even what Darcy was saying with prayer, you know, we expect it to happen. Oh, I want to ask that person out, blah, blah, blah. God, make it happen. You know what I mean? Is that God's plan or is that your plan? They might say yes. You might go on that journey. But if you don't participate and actually put God into your decision-making you might end up going off the path and that's a distraction in itself. So defeat and distraction don't always come in a way that you always see them. 
But when you're focusing God's plan, you'll see it much clearer through his eyes. I just want to pray, um, especially for our youth at the moment. So thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, for all of the youth and the high schoolers and the kids coming into youth, Lord. They're our next generation, but they're also our now generation, Lord. We know that we will all grow up in years and they will be taking our place in professions and businesses, running the country even, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that there's a discernment in their lives because there's attack out there. We know, Lord, that if you want to defeat someone, you defeat them by their impressionable. And we pray, Lord, that you protect the minds of the young ones that we have in Jesus' name, Lord, that as they grow up, they know that the things of themselves only matters really to you because they need to be unified with you and Jesus. And we know, Lord, that you will bless them abundantly and you will care for them and you will protect them. And we just pray, Lord, peace over their lives and the direction that they take, Lord. And our leaders as well, Lord. We pray, Lord, that the team Lord, that we have that are leading these children, Lord, actually create bonds and connections, Lord, people that they trust that they can come to when everything gets hard. And we just thank you, Lord, for what you've given us, these opportunities, Lord, to actually reach out. And we pray, Lord, that hearts are open to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Tanil. Whoa, that was really loud. Thanks, Tanil. What are you chasing? That's a good question. The final speaker that we have tonight doesn't need an introduction. Uh, he is probably the greatest. Um, he has the greatest traits of being a youth leader because he hasn't grown up yet. Um, <laughs> So um, he's, he's printed his sermon on A4 paper, not A3 paper this time, which is good. Put your hands together for Luke. Give us There's two instructions. And beat up a little bit. Yeah, just like that. Perfect. There's two instructions. Turn that beat up a little bit. Yeah, just like that. Okay. Perfect. Three, two, one. How are we all? Good? Now, tonight I want to talk about something that God put on my heart a couple of months ago. And it's just been going around and around and around. But I want to start off with a correction. Have you ever wanted something so badly that you have done something you probably shouldn't have? Or something a bit silly or risky? Everyone say risky. Risky. So up until last year, I was working in the hospitality industry and, you know, I had all these job offers over the country and at one point I went on a work experience trip down at Brisbane. It was one of Australia's best wineries. Like, they, they, they pursue excellence. I should have realised that was my first problem. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we get to this trip, there's five of us, and I'm in the cafe just cleaning plates and whatever. And they're like, you're so good. We're going to put you in the five-star restaurant. So main meals are like 55 bucks each, so it's like fancy. And on the first night, one of the girls comes up and she's like, I'm going to do everyone's um, laundry. And I'm like, sweet. I wasn't going to clean them anyway. But um, <laughs> where's my mail? Amen. Um, anyway, I wake up in the morning and she put my work pants in the dryer. I don't know if you know, when they get put in the dryer, they come out like a giant papadum. 
Um, me being a male again, I was like, oh, they're fine. I don't know how to iron. <laughs> so I went, I, I went to this restaurant. I walk in with my puppy pants. And the lady's like, what do you think you're doing? And I'm like, they're fine. And she's like, you need to go down to the basement. There's a staff room and you need to iron your pants. Don't come up till they're perfect. <laughs> so I go down, I walk into this room, and three of the walls are clear glass. And they're going to the staff room. So I have two choices. I can take my pants off, iron my pants, and hope no one comes in. Or I can go up to the bossy, clicky lady and hope she didn't notice. But me being me, I own like two options. I make my own options. So I turn that iron on halfway, steam's coming out. I'm starting at the bottom. Now I'm here. And by the end of it, my pants were perfect. But I went home and my legs were a puff of gum. <laughs> anyway, I go up and the lady's like, they are good. And I'm like, they better be. Anyway, <laughs> so point number one, don't get women to do your, la do your laundry. Um, the reason I told you this story isn't just so you can all laugh at me and have a bit of fun, but I want to ask you a question. Are you so hungry for God that you are willing to make a sacrifice? Are you so hungry for God that you're willing to praise him and worship him, even if you're the only one? Are you willing to make a stand and speak up for the light, even when everything around you is dark? One of my favourite verses in the Bible is Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. What was that? I like Papa Gums. Sorry. Um, <laughs> your lives lie up the world. Let others see your life from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light your lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Don't hide your light. The thing I love about the Bible, everyone say Bible, Bible. Is, that, is that every time you pick the Bible up or your phone up, the Bible speaks in a different way. Through a verse you may have read 500 times. I was reading this verse and I read it again and I felt like God said that our hunger is like a light. Let others see your hunger from a distance. See, when we're hungry for God, God fills us with his living water, his light. Don't hide your light. Don't hide your hunger. We live in a world where we look for satisfaction in people, in their comments, you know, Facebook, please like my photo, hashtag black. In items, um, people, items, and yeah, we are satisfied for a time being, but we aren't going to be full for long. We'll need more and more and more and more. Please like my food. 
but it will never be enough. Matthew 5, 6 in the NRV. Oh, sorry. Matthew 5, 6. Bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is one, this is a verse that we should all have plastered on our wall. See, what is righteousness? What is it? The world has such a slanty view on what's right, what's wrong. But righteousness is the perfect holiness of Christ. It quite literally means one who is right. Think of it as the polar opposite of sin. So we have sin and then we have righteousness. To commit sin is to go against God's design for our lives. Therefore, righteousness is the only living standing that is acceptable for us to stand before the Father. God is righteousness. So this verse is saying quite simply, hunger and thirst for him and you will be filled. And let's just look at that again. It doesn't say you might be filled. It doesn't say... Oh, you may be a week later. It says you will be filled. But I want to ask you, what do you hunger for? On Sunday, you come to church, you raise a hallelujah. On Friday, you come to youth, you praise, you worship, you sing, you pray, you laugh at Luke. But what do you do? But do you do that for the rest of your week? Or do you look at things of the world for satisfaction? John 4.13, Jesus answered, if you drink from... Oh, John 4.13. Yay. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and 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 again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit. Let's wait just there for a second. It says a gushing fountain. So it doesn't just half fill you. It doesn't even fill you to the top. It fills you to overflowing. It will become a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. See, the things of this world won't satisfy for long. They might give you a quick hit, a quick dose, but, when they are, but then they are gone. I heard something this week. See, things of this world, they can be like an Instagram story or a Snapchat story. They're there one second, gone the next, and they have no lasting impact. That's, that's what we're doing every day. We're having these things, but they mean nothing. They're gone. See, drugs, alcohol, pornography, lust, people, items, they will satisfy for a little amount of time. But in this verse, it says, if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. Not satisfied for a day, not for a week, not for a month, but forever satisfied. Now, let's look at if you drink from Jacob's well, You'll be thirsty again and again and again. Who's ever been to Macca's? Have you ever, like, 
you've had your cup of Coke and then halfway through you've realised it's not your Coke. And then you're like, oh no, I drank Trevor's Coke. See, this is what a lot of our young people, a lot of us are doing. We're eating someone else's meal. We're drinking from someone else's cup. We're not meant to drink, you're not meant to drink from Trevor's well or my well. You're meant to drink from God's well. See, I don't want to be a part of a generation that is satisfied with being half full. I don't want to be a part of a generation that will come to church one day. But when we go home, when we have a bad day, we don't go to the one who created us. We don't go to the one who saved us. We don't go to the one who will always love us. So I want to dive a little deeper. What is living water? John 7, 30. John 7, 37 to 38. La, 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 la. Chakabungi. Oh, I said that wrong. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost, innermost being. Just like the scripture says. If, so it says, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. First thing I want to point out is that the gift of water is free. The one condition that you must meet is need. It says, if anyone thirsts. Let's refer back to Matthew 5, 6. Those who hunger and thirst, they will be filled. So all we need to do is receive the gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay a monthly subscription. You don't have to work for it. All we need to do is hunger for God. We need to, we need to want it. The second thing I want to point out is that the human soul has thirst. In this verse, we know that he's not talking about physical thirst, but what he's saying is that when you go without water, your body gets thirsty. Same with our soul. When our soul goes without God, we get thirsty. Our body was made to live on water. Our soul was made to live on God. Our body was made to live on water. Our soul was made to live on God. See, what Jesus offers is satisfying. The aim of cooking is eating. Amen. Papa Dumps. The aim of digging wells and clearing springs is to drink. Everything Jesus came to do and teach is aimed at providing the soul with food and drink that will satisfy us forever. That's why I see in the word first. The water is free, the soul has a first, and Jesus aims to satisfy the soul forever. See, living water is powerful. When we're filled with his living water, we can walk into environments, we can walk into situations, we can walk into our workplaces, and the atmosphere will just change. When we're filled with his living water, people will notice that there is something different. They'll notice that, oh, I want what they have. 
Now, I want to finish with a bit of an illustration. That wasn't the illustration. <laughs> See, this is my cup, okay? We all have a cup. We're all a vessel, right? I go to church every week, but through the week I put no time aside for God. I don't read my Bible and I don't pray. So I go to church. I go to church on Sunday. And then I wonder why on Monday or Tuesday I'm dry. And then through the week I'm filling, I'm filling my life with all the things of this world. But see, being a Christian is meant to be more than just going to youth once a week or just going to church. Being a Christian isn't, a, isn't an event. Being a Christian isn't a trend. We don't do it for five years and then go, Oh, here, we are near anymore. Being a Christian isn't a once-a-week thing. Being a Christian is a lifestyle. Being a Christian is a way of life. See, God wants us to praise him, worship him, pray to him, seek him, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And when we do that, the things of this world, they hold no weight. The things of this world, they just fall off. Oh, whoops. When the living water of Christ fills you, the things of this world, they lose their weight. They lose their place and they lose their power. What are you filling your cup with? See, the enemy will put things in your path. But living water is so powerful that these things will just come to the surface every time. Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church Community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.